0: Welcome to the Life at Podcast, where we explore everything related to making digital transformations. As a full service development firm, we bring over a decade of experience in taking businesses from concept to product, for whatever their software needs. Subscribe to hear more talks and tips on how to transform your business today. Hello, and welcome to the Life at Podcast. This is Alex Mershak. With me today is a very special guest for us. We have our very own uh, CEO and founder, Prabod Webad. Prabod, welcome to the show. Thanks, Alex. Good to be here. It's it's really good to have you, and I'm really excited to uh, finally be interviewing you uh, both personally and uh, and for the people listening to just get more of an insight and perspective into our founder and into you know the man behind all of this. Um, <laughs> You've been described as a serial entrepreneur. Uh, in the short time that uh, you and I have known each other, I've seen you know multiple businesses come out of out of Venturit, um, and I, I view you as a, a really dynamic force for for generating those ideas and then bringing those ideas into fruition. So I've witnessed firsthand the enthusiasm you have for new ideas and for new businesses. What I wanted to ask is, when did you first start noticing yourself drawn to entrepreneurship, and how did you decide to take that leap and go into business for yourself?
1: So I would say I would go back to all the stories that mom, my mom would say, how my grandfather was a great entrepreneur and he had multiple stores of jewelry and uh, multiple properties of rentals. You know, that turned into like a nightmare because my grandfather passed away very young when my mom was very young. And she has to step in at her 16th birthday to save the family business because her stepfather was mismanaging. So she would always tell me how great dad was. And I was, you know, uh, fascinated by that stories. You guys know, I grew up in Sri Lanka, Kandy. Um, It's the central part of Sri Lanka. It's a beautiful place and a welcoming city for a lot of tourists. And um, as a child, I got to interact with a lot of people around the world from Australia, Germany, even U.S. because of, like I said, um, uh, my grandmother had two bread and breakfast places. Then um, I also noticed my... Grandmother was, you know, managing rental properties back in 1970s and 80s. Obviously, at that time, we didn't have A and B and B, but uh, we had a lot of tourists coming all over the world. I would uh, probably give credit to that experience I had growing up and listening to all these entrepreneur stories and seeing firsthand how uh, my grandma and my mom would uh, get involved in businesses. As a kid, I always liked uh, to mess with things like uh, electronic circuits. And uh, I remember I was part of a circuit, electronic circuit club when I was in the middle school. We can order all these electronics components and build our own disco lights or music amplifiers. So um, I got my hands into electronics early on. And also, um, you know, I was able to understand what they can do. That's experience also valuable to me now.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a particular opportunity that came up uh, after you had already moved to the United States and started working that really launched the company that you have now and also just your general job now as a full-time CEO and founder of companies.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, even before I... uh, moved to U.S. um, when I was in like just finishing my high school, uh, we had a long gap between the university uh, and the starting date. So a lot of my friends, they went into more like internships at banks, uh, but I didn't want to do that. So what I thought was I'll start my own business uh, during that period. So I met um, one of the uh, famous DJs in in Sri Lanka, where he would do mixtapes and put his own uh, mix into those. And we decided to distribute that. And uh, that was my first business. I couldn't even open a bank account because I was underage. And I had to ask my dad to help me open a business account so I can Um, Give credit to my, uh, you know, distributors uh, and uh, I can do all the transactions legally through the bank. As you know, Alex, those days, uh, you know, we didn't have digital music stores. Uh, The music stores were physical. So I had a good experience uh, running my own business, dealing with banks, dealing with uh, these distributors, giving them credit and also collections, some of them would pay you. So you will have to hunt them down to get the money. So that has given me some experience. And um, during my college, uh, once I finished, I always like early on got access to internet and I was fascinated the power of internet at that time. I was able to you know pursue software engineering and um, I was able to understand how we can use internet to build services and build businesses. So that was the, I experienced that before I came into U.S. And then once I was here, I was able to, um, you know, meet great people to bounce off ideas. And then I had partnered with many of my friends here uh, to start businesses and, uh, yeah so the network that I build um, helped me to accelerate
0: my my ideas and my dreams. I wanted to ask you then about you know the businesses that you have decided to start, what you're thinking about when you're considering you know taking something that you've had as an idea and then trying to make it into a viable business? Do you usually try to begin with a problem that you're trying to solve that you've identified and then build a business around that problem or? On the other hand, are you more looking, you know, you described that you were interested in the internet and the power that it uh, provided. Are you more looking at, okay, well, this is a new technological innovation. How can I then take this innovation and uh, turn that into a business application? Which way does that question tend to go for you?
1: Yeah, I think that was a great question. Um, So early on, like I was saying, uh, internet was there. And then a lot of lot of solutions were there. Okay, you know, if you build a website, you can get some people coming. Or if you build something, uh, they will come. But what worked for me personally is approaching startup like the scientific process, Mm. trying to observe what's there, and if you can identify a problem that people are still struggling and then they need better solutions. That's the problem I would start exploring to see whether I can come up with solutions, either better solutions than what we already have in the market or innovations that is not there in the market. So I would say I tend to uh, follow the path where I try to
0: understand the problem what they say is like falling in love with the problem. When you identify a problem, what does it look like for you when you're falling in love with a problem? Are you becoming just obsessive about it? Are you looking <laughs> at who the competitors are, what what it is that people are currently doing to try to solve that problem? You know, do you do you think that you need to have uh, this kind of love for the problem in order to have the motivation to drive it through to success?
1: Yeah, so You know um, i'll step back a little bit almost 11 years ago i had some ideas um how to uh you know start business with uh two of my buddies we called it at that time a car code where you try to build a better experience uh when you are trying to sell cars to uh, through the dealership right as you know most of the time, uh, when you try to buy a car, the sales uh, culture there is to push and try not to, you know, give you enough room to make a decision, mm. right? So uh, my buddy, and Nick, um, he grew up in a dealership and he came to us um, and said, look, I have an idea. I know, you know, the car industry salespeople are not not being trusted enough. What if we give the power to the customer so that you don't have to interact with the salesperson unless you are interested in buying? Um, so we started CarCode, where you know you would print these stickers. We call QR codes in the car, In the car, and then if somebody browsing around the lot, they can scan the sticker and get to know everything about the car. During that, I wanted some resources to build uh, the product. And, uh, you know, myself is a software developer and also my buddy, Steve, he's a software developer. We we wanted most. Then I thought of building my own team um, and that's how uh, Venture it started. So as an incubator. And uh, today we have over 50 people working for us um, in many countries.
0: You're listening to the Life Adventurit Podcast. At it we specialize in producing smart applications using AI, machine learning, blockchain, and IoT. You can learn about all our services at Adventurit.com. Alright, back to the show. Yeah, wow, that's uh that's a pretty interesting story, you know. Um, starting out with just car code and then leading into it So as you said, today, obviously, uh, Venturet has grown over the last uh, more than a decade now to over 50 employees. But at one point, it wasn't so big. And you've told me before that you were heavily influenced by this concept of, uh, of the lean startup. Did Venturet or Carcode start a- as a lean startup? And what did you learn from that methodology? And do you still apply it to your businesses?
1: Um, a lean startups start with the validation of the problem. Um, It says that, you know, sooner you get to the customer with your potential solution to see that they have uh, identified that, okay, this, what you have solves the problem. When we started CarCode, we were a great team because we, two of us had software development background and business background at the same time. Steve Shorts, my buddy from Ann Arbor, he also started the similar like Venture it uh, in uh, Ann Arbor. So we, three of us had great idea how to get about this, right? And we wanted to start with minimum overheads, minimum spending to get our idea tested with the customer. Uh, Nick, who had a lot of access to car dealership, he would r- drive around, the dealerships here in Michigan and also Washington and get them to use our product and validate us. So we were able to get early feedback and we were able to change some of our our offerings and, and the solution based on the feedback. So that was my first experience of Lean Startup, a concept, right? Um, Then, of course, after a couple of years, this lean startup came as a, you know, keyword into the startup industry, how somebody would methodically follow a process. I I believe in, um, you know, that approach, getting your product to the customers faster to validate and then iterate based on the feedback.
0: So get a minimum viable product, get Mm -hmm. it out there. And does that play into then, you know, the new projects that you're starting now?
1: Yeah. um, So there are a couple of projects I started uh, while I was observing uh, what's going on. And especially like I studied mathematics and physics um, uh, in my high school and also in in my college. So as an engineering student and a physics student, I was supposed to observe things very Mm -hmm. carefully and then um, identify, you know, and report observations, right? So um, when I sit around, I just naturally check what's going on. So one of the ideas came or the problems I identified um, is like when uh, my mom had to wear a halter monitor for a week um, due to a suspect heart condition. This was back in like 2014 and I realized how uncomfortable and then how stressful it is to know what's going on inside because you won't see it. You have to wait for a week and then go to doctor and give the machine and they will check what's going on. And then I realized, you know, there can be a better way to do this. And uh, long story short, we started Avid Heart um, and uh, Avid Heart lets you monitor your vitals, and um, you know, you can get instant feedback from AI to say whether you are running into arrhythmias or um, you're doing well. That's observation, and then the identifying the problem led to uh, this company, uh, Avid
0: Wow, yeah, and uh, I didn't actually even know. Uh about that story with your mother, uh, that Mm -hmm. that was the origin for the avatar idea. So that's really, uh, really interesting. You know, you talked about the importance of getting the product out and getting it to that first customer. Finding the first customer can sometimes be the hardest part. And so I wanted to ask you about how you go about this customer discovery process and what you think about when you're trying to build out a profile for who you're potential or actual customer might be?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. As a venture, uh, if I put the founder CEO there, we have served over close to 100 clients trying to help them bring their startup to the market. As you know, most of the startup don't make it, right? Mm. Uh, That is because either we don't understand the problem or we don't understand the, the the customer uh, adaptation of the solution. If you take the problem, like I was telling you, you observe and you identify the problem. Next step you should do is what we call discovery. Before even you build anything, you want to find similar target like Avid Heart example, right? we initially identified, okay, people find it very difficult to wear this and you don't get instant feedback and you're even caregivers or you know, loved ones under stress to figure out you know, what's going on with my mom, right? Um, so first thing I did is I spoke to, a, I'm not a cardiac cardiologist. I spoke to a friend of mine uh, who is now a, a co-founder of uh, Avid Heart. Um, Bob Frank he's a cardiothoracic surgeon Um, I asked him hey look I have an idea I want to build initially I wanted to build this uh, under five (laughs) dollars because I was trying to um, do bottom of the pyramid uh, approach because when I'm looking at um, because of my bringing I'm looking at global market I'm not only looking at North American market. So I know places, I traveled to places like Africa, um, Burundi and all that, I I know those people cannot afford, uh, you know, very expensive solutions. So first thing I wanted to look at is the global reach and talk to um, Bob saying, hey, I have an idea. I wanted to build something that would detect cardiac arrhythmias And then uh, would you think it makes sense as a a expert in this area, uh, as a cardiologist? He loved the idea. And then, you know, long story short, we became Um, co-founders. So first is, you know, validation, right? To see whether this problem, whether people or potential users of your potential solution for the problem willing to consider the problem you have identified is actually a problem for them mm-hmm. right whether we're we if it's not a problem they are gonna that they have to deal with very frequently right then they're not gonna look for a solution if it's a problem that you will have to deal with every day or mostly frequently, then they're willing to find a solution to deal with the problem. So that's where the discovery coming in. So once you start discovery, you don't try to tell your potential client or customers the solution you have. You're going to have just an interview and uh, try to understand and, and tell them what kind of you know problems they're facing. Let's say you take a a person who has post uh, cardiac surgery, and we know arrhythmias are more likely to happen. Um, so when uh, arrhythmia is happening, you don't know unless you you know have symptoms and you check with the cardiac device whether you are in, you're having either AFib or some other cardiac arrhythmia. So In that target market, there are statistics that 30% of postcardiac patients will have these kind of issues. So if you talk to those customers or or those patients to see whether that they're worried about it and uh, how worried they are, they're willing to find a solution for that. But you don't go and try to sell your solution first in the discovery space. You're trying to see whether the problem you identified is actually a real problem. They're willing to do something about it.
0: I think it's also important, uh, as you mentioned earlier, you know, you said that you wanted to make that price point 5 for the unit because you were keeping in mind this more expansive global market that would be available. Um, now, I, I'm pretty sure that the, the unit that actually came about, at least for now, is a little bit more expensive than that. Um, and so it's also a matter of not just finding out, you know, more about what that customer's problem is, but also about uh, their willingness or their ability to to pay for the solution that's at that current price point, right? Like finding that, um, that price point that actually works yeah. is also very crucial. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, I know we have jumping topics here and back and forth, but just to build back. Okay. So once you, understand and do the discovery in the discovery interviews you try to understand how much if there's a solution how much somebody will willing to pay for that solution and then if you figured out okay you know you have enough evidence now to start something and you want to spend your money effort and and build a startup next step for you to is do a market discovery to see who who is currently solving the same problem or similar problem and you know we identify them as competitors right and then you try to figure out what is the unique thing you have compared to your competitors and then how would you stand out against them so most of the time a lot of people use price as a competitive advantage but that's sometimes very difficult to keep up right um, but most of the time we encourage when people come to venturing to look at not only price, but your value proposition, is it unique,
0: right? Right. Yeah. After you've done the discovery process and you have validated that idea and you validated that there's someone out there who's willing to pay within your target market at the price point that you're looking for. The next stage is then to actually, you know, find a way to start scaling up production to actually mm-hmm. scale up that product. Mm-hmm. So what do you look for when you're trying to identify the key features that you're going to need in a minimum viable product? And how do you determine when you've reached that stage?
1: Mm-hmm. So it's very important. So some, I told you that with Ventureit, we had over hundred clients coming with their ideas and asking us to kind of build their solutions. Some of those uh, clients, they are very open to ideas. Some are very close. Uh, Some are saying, you know, I know what I need to build. Can you build this? And uh, obviously we are a service company. So based on the service, um, you know, we would uh, do what the client prefers us to do. If the client is willing to listen to us, we, like I said, we encourage them to talk to as many as 30, 40, potential people through discovery interviews and understand whether, you know, is this something that people willing to try and pay um, in order to solve their problems. So once you identify that, once you've finished the market analysis, competitive analysis, identify your potential solution, you might have an idea what your solution will be, but you need to understand what the unique proposition that you can give it to the market. So once you identify that then we'll go through what the what we call requirement gathering. We have to be very careful here in my personal experience is don't focus too much about the solution. I have seen a lot of potential startups they fall in love with the solution and then they try to go and spend explaining the solution rather than trying to focus on the problem. Because if you lose sight of the problem and while you're gathering the requirements, you might gather the requirements to satisfy your solution, but not the problem. And then you will lose sight of the problem because now you're in a process that you have hired, uh, you know, software development company, marketing company, uh, UX, UI designs and all that. And you might spend all these resources that you have not clearly identified as your requirements. So best way we follow the gather those requirements is to what we call build user personas. So now you did uh, discovery interviews. Now, you can use a handful of them as your users that would pay for your solution or your digital product, right? So, you can now try to build group them into what we call user personas with what kind of person and what kind of habits, what's their frustrations, what's their motivations how much then they afford to spend on this. Well, once you build those personas, then you try to understand what we call stories for each of these personas. So some of those stories will be common for everybody. Some of them will not be common. So once you identify those stories, that stories can be tasked for the product development team as your minimum viable product. And that helps the next phase of you know the development of your digital product or service. And once you get the initial concept and requirements right, then the managing the development part becomes very easy because you know you know exactly what you, what your customers ask for. And once you have enough features to go. Um, and present to your potential customers, that's where the lean startup concept's coming in. You go early and then you validate, right? So Mm -hmm. initially these customers, your discovery customers, you can, while you're interviewing them, you can ask them, would you be willing to try out my product? And then you engage with them and share with them your early prototype to try out and give feedback getting requirements based on user personas and stories are very important.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, uh, Pro, it's been so good talking to you today. Uh, We've learned about, uh, you know, identifying different customers, product development, you know, how how you got first interested in entrepreneurship. I have more questions here that I'm going to ask you uh, later on, but unfortunately, we are out of time today, so we're going to leave those um, for the next show. And uh, I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on. And um, to everyone that's out here listening, please tune in next time because uh, we've got more things to go over, including not least of which uh, some of your biggest inspirations uh, for your own entrepreneurship, as well as uh, other insights. So thank you so much. And uh, I'll see you guys next time.
1: Thanks, Alex. And it was a pleasure talking to you. So yeah, until next time. See you later.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Life Adventure It
1: podcast. We appreciate our audience and clients for their continued support. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and share with your friends and family. For more information on our services and upcoming episodes, please visit us at VentureIt.com as well as our
0: other social media channels. Talk to you soon.